Cape Talk. Call John now on 021-446-0567. It is time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis, who is uh, given our problems with our telephone lines at the moment, joining us via Zoom. Hello, Rebecca. John, look at us leapfrogging into the 21st century. (laughs) You're a much more gracious leapfrogger than I am. I'm more of a leap stumbler than a leapfrogger, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a stumble frogger. Yeah, stumble frogger. Stumble frogger. That's what I am. Well, I think you deserve extra money from your main employers, the Daily Maverick, this month, because you have been poring over the discussion papers ahead of the ANC's National Policy Conference next week. John, it's not an assignment I approach with delight, but it's one that we don't do enough as the media, I think. Now, this ANC policy conference, which is held, of course, ahead of the crucial December one where they elect the president of the ANC, might not actually go ahead, as we know, because unpaid ANC staffers are threatening to scupper the whole thing, and who can blame them, frankly? But if it does happen, it's either going to start on Monday next week or it's going to start on Thursday next week. Nobody is quite sure of that either. This is not to downplay its significance, though it really is important. And more importantly, the policy documents that are being circulated, that have been circulated, they were released in May, in fact, are really interesting because of what they tell us about how the ANC sees itself currently as the government, the party in governments in South Africa. I must say, John, there's a couple of things that really stood out to me about these policy papers. I think one of them is the overwhelming sense of paranoia. Now, all politics is paranoid to some degree. Media is also paranoid. Civil society in South Africa is paranoid. There's a lot of paranoia in our general, you know, kind of social sphere. And I think that's as a result of our history and so forth. But there is a particular sense of it here. For instance, in one of the documents, it laments the fact that the groups which have broken away from the ANC, now this, they've become the opposition parties, and obviously we know who they're referring to here, they're referring to the ANC, they're, I mean, they're referring to the EFF, they're referring to COPE and any number of others. They say they would have expected these groups to join the ANC in Parliament in supporting any number of issues because they should share all the same values. To the contrary, it says almost all of them display extreme hostility towards the ANC. And it is a question the ANC has a duty to interrogate. Now, what on earth does that mean, John? First of all, it is entirely logical that opposition parties tend to take up opposition roles in parliament. That is, in a very real sense, their purpose. Secondly, people who have left the ANC, again, quite reasonably did so, presumably because they had very specific antipathy towards the ANC. That's just one example. Here's another example. It describes the coalitions used to keep the ANC out of office. And that's also a revealing phrasing because it suggests that the ANC's natural and legitimate place is in office. These coalitions have less in common than a crowd of drunkards in a beer hall and are on a crusade to obliterate our national transformation project. Astonishing way of putting it. And this brings me to another thing. There seems to be a fundamental lack of understanding of the notion of a multi-party democracy. The the documents read as if they are written from the perspective of of a kind of 80-year-old academic, maybe dealing with a fundamentally sort of Marxist, Stalinist even society. And I know that is quite a claim to make, but let me give you some other examples. 
There is, they claim, an ideological onslaught against the ANC using all forms of media, including broadcasting, print, social media, and the internet. They say that there is a political agenda seeking to portray the ANC as losing hegemony, a weakened force. I mean, that is literally the truth, John. And it is a truth that is acknowledged earlier in the documents that the ANC is, is losing votes. It is as simple as that. The war of ideas, these documents says, must be fought like a real war. I don't even know where to start picking that one apart. Then there's this extraordinary Marxist rhetoric which puts burdens on citizens that are so out of touch with what is going on in South Africa at the moment. It says, for instance, that crass materialism and individualism is taking over South Africa, leading to social decadence. This trend towards individualism and personal aggrandizement is what is weakening society. I mean, have these people ever been on TikTok? You know, there's, there's this sense that the ANC is still the moral and de facto leader of society. In a situation in 2022, where we could easily say that the leaders of society are, for instance, TikTok influencers, there's this mismatch between a modern state in 2022 and what these documents suggest. Let me give you another quote. It suggests that people who are reflexively anti-China ignore the fact that China was, in fact, I'm quoting, the world's largest economy for a large part of the 19th century. John, who cares? I mean, in all honesty, who cares? It is impossible to me to think of people, ordinary South Africans, dealing with very real crises, like the cost of living, like electricity, like jobs, and finding any kind of resonance in these ideas. The social media is dismissed as a new way to attack the ANC. The reduction in the value and quality of media is hailed as a terrible threat because it has the potential to distort the hegemony of the ANC. There's this notion that arts and culture are only relevant in as much as they can be used effectively as propaganda tools, as tools of the revolution. The picture it gets, and I'm not saying all of this is necessarily sinister, John. More than that, it strikes me as absurd, almost to the point of laughable, that this is what a modern political party is presenting itself to its members and to the country. I, I simply, as I said, I simply do not think that the majority of citizens of South Africa would read this and say, that's me, these are my issues, and this is the party that is capable of taking me into the future I want. Yeah, I, for one, am, am thrilled that finally uh, China's economic muscle of the 19th century is being wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, this is what I'm saying. One imagines some academic sitting there who is so old and so out of touch. Hey, hold on. Just <laughs> so just old. Just writing phrases like parasitic bourgeoisie. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if I were an opposition politician looking at these documents, I would be thrilled because the potential for just taking on this out-of-touch party seems so rich and full of promise and yet that project also seems to fail so often for them so i i don't yeah. even know john i read today that a second hand pre-owned in the words of the media release but in your and my language second hand hermes fjord leather birkin 35 in black handbag sold for 280,000 rand second hand handbag sold for 280,000 rand in south africa here 
That is bought by a billion air, not by a million air. Mm, that's interesting, John. That is interesting because I want to talk to you about the difference between millionaires and billionaires. Honestly, I think many of us are quite financially ignorant in terms of these kind of concepts. I, I'm a, what, someone who openly owns up to it. Remind me, John, how many millions are in a billion in South Africa? Uh, I have no idea. No, you see, this is the issue. So here's a fact I read this week, or rather a way of explaining the difference between millions and billions that really struck me. How many seconds, if, if I were to tell you, here's a million seconds, John, how many days would you say make up a million seconds? On a day where I were less prone to the, <laughs> to the hay fever, which has pretty much debilitated me to the point of comatosity, I might be able to give you a guess, but uh, not today. Okay, well, 12 days, right? Just over, just over 11 and a half days. That is, that is what one million seconds makes up. But a billion seconds, John, a billion seconds is 32 years. Now, I think you'll agree with me that the difference between those two figures does not feel right. <laughs> it feels like if a million seconds is 12 days, then a billion seconds should be, I don't know, a year maybe at absolute most. And the interesting thing about that way of framing it is that it shows us just how rich the really rich are. That if you are a billionaire, you have so many millions to spend that you can spend them over and over again daily in a way that most of us simply cannot compute. I mean, that is the true extent of wealth inequality in the world. And I guess these are the people who are buying 230,000 rand. 80,000. 280,000 Hermes bags. Just think about that. One million seconds is 12 days. One billion seconds is 32 years. Mind blown, John, as they say. Mind blown, as they say, Rebecca. Another plan B next week. Thank you very much.